no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Dumb and dumber, I'd call Hello, yes. Welcome back to the 40-yard switch. As always, I'm Woodson. And I'm Wilby. Hopefully this week you've noticed a little bit of a change in our audio. Uh, we've invested in a second mic and uh, hopefully we should be sounding clearer and crisper and louder than ever before. Exciting stuff. Uh, recording on what uh, is Melbourne's best attempt at a cold Thursday night in Stoke. It's wet, it's cold, but we're warm and inside ready to give you another week's worth of quality football content. So, obviously, the elephant in the elephant in the room, the the Premier League title race has been decided, Wilbur. Yeah, I mean it was yeah a bit of inevitability for for quite some time now, but yeah. So it's it's a it's well deserved title for for Man City, yes. obviously. City of City have been crowned for the uh, the third time in four years and their fifth time since the turn of the two thousand and tens, which is quite impressive. Dominance, dominance. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, remember recently Chelsea was called the Premier League team of the decade. Yeah, and you didn't agree with it. I'm I'm starting to agree with that disagreement a bit more. <laughs> yeah, well, I th- I think I think it was just. Take it, that thing was t- like a lot of the people that were commenting on that were taking into account like Champions League wins and stuff. I'm like, but it's not the Champions League yeah. team of the decade; it's the Premier League team of the decade. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I one thing I, I kind of wanted to I thought I'd wait till I we started recording so I get your genuine reaction for this uh, little yeah. talking point was um if Guardiola stays at City for a significant amount of time, I'm not saying they're gonna ever reach the heights of United and like the and achieve the same sort of levels of sustained success. But could we be looking at the next big, like, cons- consistent dynasty in English football? I think I think if Guardiola stays there, yes. Yeah. I, I, I can't see any reason why it would why it would fall apart. But, I mean, I don't know. Th- things can always happen. It's, 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 it'd be very hard to keep it as, uh, like going for as long as um, Sir Alex and, and United did. Yeah, because I just think we like like yes, he's had the money invested. We've gone over this before. Like they've gone out and spent more money than anyone and bought the best players. But the f- the football they play under Guardiola is just as like it's just in the Premier League especially. Like it hasn't translated so well to European success, but in the Premier League especially, the way he plays with the players at his disposal is just a recipe for for sustained success. And I just think. Yeah, if he get, like, I know Guardiola sort of hops around because he wants to go everywhere, but I feel like he's he's said recently the Premier League is the toughest league he's ever played in and the best competition he's ever played in. And I feel like if he if he cares, he may not care about sort of like a sustained like legacy, he may stay and try and just cement City's place in the annals of Premier League's, you know, historically stardom. Yeah, exactly. And I, I can't see him sort of wanting... To, to go anywhere else, right? And yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't see the, the funds drying up anytime soon. So yeah, no. I, I think he could, I think he could have a serious, like, I, I suppose the only other place to go and win for him where he might want to win is Italy. But as, as you say, I think his respect for the Premier League might dictate that he stays, stays here for quite a long time. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, so, moving on from that, uh, despite being crowned kings by Leicester beating United this week, uh, that City actually played uh, over the weekend and lost. Uber. Yeah, 2-1 to Chelsea. Uh, Alonso goal in, in the 90th minute. Um, yeah, it was a very, very strange setup with, with three centre-backs and like wing-backs and, and two up front for City was a bit strange to see. Possibly the first time they've played two up front all season. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And obviously that fluid front three with essentially no focal point has been working well for them. No, really well for them recently. Um, yeah, and I saw something in the, the post-match... Um, interview with Raheem Sterling that they were setting up to sort of mirror Chelsea apparently I, just... I did get a sense of that because it's kind of similar sort of similar to the way Tuchel plays with the three at the back yeah but... yeah exactly but I suppose like um, j- just a single CDM it's, 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 it was kind of similar but yeah what, what did you make of the or what did you think of the, the change to the setup? I think, like, when it's funny Sterling says that trying to mirror Chelsea, because I don't think that's what they're going to do in the Champions League final. No. I think that, like, maybe they were just mirroring, like, Pep was just sort of playing with the idea of, like, if they have to, or if, or if there's, like, a personnel injury, could they set up this way to mirror Chelsea? And I don't think, in the, in the, the way the game went, they still controlled the ball pretty similarly to the way they usually do. And Chelsea, and, like, were it not for a couple of missed chances and a bad penalty taken by Agro and also a missed penalty call by VAR, which we're not going to get into, but I thought that was a penalty every day of the week. It was, yeah. Um, it, it, Chelsea won 2-1, but it's not really like Chelsea played better or deserved the win more than City did. It was just sort of on that day type of thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But the, the other thing that I think is, if they had gone with their normal setup, and I mean... They're not really resting anyone at the moment. I don't think like the Champions League finals a while off. They're out of the FA Cup, so this was kind of the big f- fixture at the moment. I feel like if he'd gone with a stronger team, Man City would have won, and Chelsea wouldn't get this sort of little bit of momentum going into the third game that they play each other in a month, mm. being the Champions League final. Do you think it's I feel of... like he got it wrong just a, a little bit. Do you think I, it's I a bit of like overthinking, like kind of like, so, you know, like, yeah. like show one side but then play the other in another game. And I feel like the Chelsea players would now have a bit of a narrative of... Because I feel like while it's been getting better, there's, there's been sort of big moments in Chelsea's season that have sort of haven't gone their way. It's, especially with T- Timo Werner missing so many big chances. But I feel like now there's a bit of like a narrative for Chelsea that that they can do it. They've beaten them twice in, in the last two meetings. So, I don't know. I think I, I would agree with you. Well, like the only thing that we, you know, people would say is, oh, was in, A1 was in an FA Cup with a pep historically doesn't overly care about and another one was when he played a when he played a really rotated team but then like you say there wasn't really a need to play the rotated team so I just think well I think on the day Pep will end up playing a very different team and play and you know it'll they'll probably still I my pick is still for them to win it overall but I do think this was just a bit of like you know changing it up for the sake of changing it up you know what I mean you didn't need to. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 st- I still think that, that Man City win, but I just think he that make it a little bit more difficult for themselves losing twice to Chelsea in, yeah. in such a short amount of Do time. Do you think this mentally has an impact on the City players going into the game, or they don't care? Like, the final, I mean. I think it might, because I think the other thing with Man City recently is that, you know, they've kind of been expected to win the Champions League for a while. Like, it's kind of... 
maybe not expected to win, but like, it's like, like the, it's like the fact that they haven't won has been like a glaring blemish on his yeah. like Pep's resume. And, and, and lots of the players in this team would kind of have that memory of last year where, you know, they had a pretty good chance at it and lost to, it was Leon, right? Yeah, Leon. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, there, there'd definitely be something there. You'd be, you'd be super nervous to lose this against a Chelsea side that you should beat on, on the night. That being said, one thing I, I will say about the two games Chelsea have beaten them is a lot of the players, like the key players that will be playing in the Champions League final haven't lost either of these games against Chelsea. They've been unused, like Kevin De Bruyne most notably. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's true. It's but true. like, it, it's, it's interesting. Like, like, like I said, we both said there's a little bit to take from this game with regards to like a sort of, um, what's the word, like dress rehearsal for the Champions League. But there's not a whole lot to take from it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't... Yeah, I, I don't think there's, there's too much to be drawn from it. Apart from maybe that... A couple of losses in a row. Yeah. yeah. One thing that also happened uh, this week, during the week, uh, while City was crowned champions, was also that all three clubs in the relegation zone, were their fate was cemented. Mm-hmm. Um, while Sheffield is one that has been known for a while, um, and you don't have to look very far into what was wrong with their problems. Uh, there are two clubs that sort of were flirting with the idea of staying up, uh, West Brom and Fulham, who along the way just got things wrong. Um, and we would sort of wanted to take a little bit of a deeper look into that because two teams that definitely had shock results against big teams, both of them this season, and definitely probably maybe had it within their means to stay up, but ultimately didn't with poor runs of form leading into where what has now been their uh, solidified relegation. So we're going to look at them. We've taken a team each to closely sort of evaluate. And Wilbur, do you want to kick us off with Rush Bomb? Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I think... I, I mean, I think we've talked in, in, in previous podcasts that have... Wait, has it gone to where? The, 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 the yeah, 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 yeah. Episode three. Yeah, about the, sla- the sacking of Slavin Bilic and, and whether that was the point at which... West Brom's season went wrong. I think at that point, even though maybe it wasn't 100% the right idea to sack Slavin Village, I feel like the higher-ups at West Brom basically had to do something. They, they were on seven points from the first 14 games um, with, with only one win um, and looking super leaky at the back. Um, so I, I think they basically had to had to do something there um, to, to sort of strengthen up at the back. I think the, the other thing, the, the, the conclusion that I basically came to in the end was that um, it's a very difficult season with, with coronavirus to come into the Premier League. And obviously the, the one that you're going to do is Fulham. I think trying to strengthen in that transfer market um, d- during COVID was very hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they did. I think Billish did all right to sign players like Matthias Pereira. He's been like, yeah, arguably one of like the best of the lower team. And I wouldn't be surprised if he finds at least a top a top half table team next season. I reckon. Yeah, they've they've got some good players that that Billish bought in um, during that summer transfer window. Also, Grady D and Garner. Callum Robinson's been all right. I feel like he could be at sort of a lower. Yeah, because he, he was he was all right for Sheffield. For Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. 
which is bizarre because obviously they were missing a, a striker as well. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the main thing and, and the reason that I am starting to think now that it wasn't such a terrible idea to sack Slavin Bilic was the defensive record under him. They don't really have a, a really solid defensive unit. Um, the centre-backs with the most performance, Carl Bartley, Sammy Ajay and Dara O'Shea. And the two midfielders with the most performance are Matt Phillips and Conor Gallagher. That doesn't so, do with a lot of confidence. No, that, that, I think that defensive unit, and I think that was what's wrong with, with how with how Slavin Village is running the team. And of the potential replacements that included um, Allardyce, um, Nigel Pearson, Mark, uh, Mark Hughes, Southampton boss. Ex-Southampton. Yeah, Ex-Southampton. Yeah, yeah. And um, Eddie Howe. They, they brought in Allardyce to try and strengthen defensively, and that didn't really work. I mean, Allard- yeah, out of all those four, Allardyce has the, has the most history of keeping clubs up. So yeah. you can understand it, but also... Like, it was the, somewhat of a negative sideways move. The, the rest of them would sort of be projects, where, whereas um, they had 25 games to try and improve their points tally to stay up. Um, so, yeah. I, I think basically where it went wrong is that they only just snuck into that second championship place to, to gain automatic relegation, and it was very hard to strengthen their team. Yeah. And Billish didn't do it in the right areas. Yeah. But so, you don't yeah. think Sam Allardyce did enough either. Could he have done anything anything more? No, I don't think so. And he signed um, by Dianya. Dianya, yeah. And he, he started up front for quite he's, a few games. He's good, but that's not what they needed. The... The, the central midfielder they signed was um, y- Yakuzlu from Celta Vigo, and he was meant to be the big, like, strong CDM. Um, and I don't think that really worked out. The other central midfielder they signed in, in, this, in the January window was uh, Maitland Niles. And I don't think he's going to yeah, be I mean, providing he, you with the. Yeah, he's, he's a solid piece for any sort of mid table uh, to, to, to lower table Premier League team, but he's not going to keep you up by himself by any means. Yeah. And he's one of those. He's he's like a utility player. He's a you can play it right back, left back, centre mid, like. But he's not like going to command any of those positions. Yeah. 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 So I I just think maybe they didn't do Billish didn't do enough in that in that summer window, but it was very hard to do anything that good in that summer window. So, and then, but there might be similar problems at Fulham. But yeah. Well, looking at Fulham, uh, so they made. A number of signings uh, in the in the su- in the summer window, and then one in the January window, so bringing in permanent deals for Anthony Robinson, Harrison Reed, Tete, Kenny Tete, and Tosin um, Adarabayo from Manchester City, uh, and then also Terence Congola, but he was mainly a, a bench player. And then on loan, this is where they this is what I, uh, where they really went off. They bought in one, two, three. Seven players on loan, uh, one of them being Madger, which was in the January window, but six in the first window in summer. And looking through their lineups throughout the season, the majority of the season, almost almost every game, their entire backline consisted of players who had been bought in the in the um, been bought or or got on loan in the summer window. Like they, I think they played one or two games at the start of the season, most notably against Arsenal, where they clearly they were. The defenders, I think Hector was one who's, who's since uh, rode since rode the bench for the rest of the season. But they looked out at like we watched that game that Fulham to back yeah, and looked out of their depth. But then since then they 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 made a bunch of signings, notably um, Ari, uh, Ola Ena, 
uh, Joachim Anderson, uh, Kene Tete and Anthony Robinson, and Tosin Adarabayo. Those guys, that mixture of five, pretty much made up the back four for like round three onwards. And like, I just think that, I know maybe you didn't have the the centre backs that were up to Premier League standard to come into the league, but like to go, to play an entire first season in the Premier League with an entirely new back line, half of which are lone players, like it's it's not a recipe for success. There's, there's yeah. no, you have to be like you're building chemistry or you're already behind the eight ball from building with building chemistry, uh, and also something that has been that was sort of alluded to by a few people was that like having that many lone players. Uh, in a back line and also in the rest of their team, there could be an essence of like a lack of fight because like at the end of the day, end of the season, they're going to go back to their parent clubs. It's not re- like getting relegated isn't going to be that yeah. big a deal. Uh, so then, and then also from moving on from that, um, for two thirds of the se- for most of the season, two thirds to three quarters of the entire starting lineup was made out of uh, new or loney signings. You've got like um, Mario Lamina from Southampton, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Josh Madger, um, and Adam Lukman. And like, while some of these players, Adam Lukman uh, and Josh Madger at times were okay, you then had players like Mario Lamina, who was extremely hot and cold, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who I've seen a lot of Fulham people, cars supported online, was awful. Yeah, Possibly the was, worst season he's had. Yeah, he was terrible. Yeah. yeah. So like a combination of like lack of chemistry when you've got like seven to eight of your starting 11 players who are new to the club, three or four of them are low knee, are low knee players who probably don't really care. Yeah. Some of them might, but like, it's just like, it's, it's not a recipe for cohesion. And especially when you're a bottom third of the Premier League team, you have to be rock solid and resolute in your midfield and your defense to just basically sit back and soak up pressure against a lot of teams and hit on the counter or, or hit on the set piece. That's what you have to do. It's not necessarily pretty bo- pretty football, but like you have to just be resolute in defense and nab a goal and win a lot of games 1-0, 2-1. Like that's 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 how you, that's how your first season generally has to be. And there was a stat on Monday Night Football, they were last in terms of coming from behind. Uh they were last in terms of uh, goals scored and second last in terms of chances created. Like, it's just, they couldn't, like, there was times when they sorted it out and they were defensively stout and then they weren't scoring goals and then there was times where they they, they changed that and scored a few goals but then they would just lead goals defensively. Uh, and this was also a part of the fact that Scott Parker, while I think he's a good manager, he made some really weird decisions with his team. He he played a total of nine different formations across the season. Oh really? Nine. He he, he played nine different formations. He he played four two three one for two weeks, and then changed it to three four two one. Then changed it to four three three. Then changed it to four four two. Like you can't play nine different formations across the season and have any sort of cohesion. Yeah. Offensively or defensively, and also, while I get that maybe he was a bit. There may not have been that many leadership figures in your in his team. Todd Kearney, his captain, which is could also be a big factor why their team wasn't as good, but not so much. He was out injured for most of the season, hasn't played a game since mid-December. He made Joachim Anderson, a loney signing centre-back from Leon, captain. Well, essentially vice-captain, he was captain for the rest of the season. And while I've heard from Fulham fans that he was a very good player, like you can't make a loney signing 
your captain. Yeah. Like it's that's, that's just not that's not a good foundation yeah. for a team that's trying to like desperately to stay up. So yeah, it was just a whole lot of there was a whole lot of new blood into the team that didn't obviously took too long or, or never really gelled. That coupled with Parker playing nine different formations across the season, there was it's just it was just a bit all over the shop. And yeah. you saw the and you saw yeah the stats of like not good chances created, lots of goals conceded, yeah. and the ability and also with that being last at uh, points gained from losing positions, that's a cohesion thing. Teams that are together and teams that are resolute and you know and, and the and the chemistry is there, they'll will themselves to win or will themselves to get a point. There was none of that, and that ultimately was the downfall. I feel so like yeah, I think it's especially hard when when you're a team that starts off the season so poorly to come from behind to win as well because yeah. once you cop a goal you're like holy shit like, it's been so hard to I, th- I think the, the other thing that I'd say in, in both of these cases is like I definitely agree that loan signings aren't ideal but I think again it comes back to this really weird transfer market where loaning players was the flavour of it because of, the, of all the uncertainty financially with COVID yeah um, and also I think it pushed a lot of signings back because of the no gate, the, the, the negotiation <laughs> period was that much longer. Like, also, um, Bilic bought in Ivanovic very close to, to, to the um, to the end of the transfer market, and obviously, he didn't feature much for West Brom. But you know, maybe if you bring in one of those defensive players a bit earlier, again, the team can gel a bit more, and that's very important in the Premier mm. League, as, as you pointed out. Yeah, and I just think unless you're like a very well-run club with a very smart manager, a la Leeds with Bielsa, and Leeds as a recruiting team who brought in some really good players who were effective this season, like it was always going to be extremely tough. So I, I won't knock West Brom or Fulham too much for getting relegated because it was, it was almost an, a very almost impossible situation uh, for a club that is run not as well as possibly one of the most well-run clubs in England with and, Leeds and, Le- and Leeds have been building it, building to it for a long time I think a lot of people have been saying about Fulham is they weren't kind of ready yet. yeah they've been and up and down for four seasons they've, they were championship Premier League championship Premier League and now they're going to be back in the championship so yeah it's just not yeah I, I think West Brom also weren't really ready I mean Village took over um, at the start of the 2019-20 season and then took them straight up yeah but kind of just got up like yeah. it wasn't convincing but. So yeah, ultimately, uh, sad but predictable with the way things were going for them that season. Yeah. Speaking of signings having a lackluster impact for uh, teams, how was that for a segue? <laughs> uh, we're gonna we, we've this uh, with the season coming to a close. We're we've decided this week to do our top three and bottom three best and worst signings of the season. We've com- gone, we've compiled our lists without telling each other. And we're gonna. We there'll probably be a little bit of overlap because there's been very good players, obviously, and not so great players. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give you our best and worst and some honourable mentions. Are we, uh, are we gonna go three and then three, or should we go like one, one, one? I reckon. No, I reckon we go three best. You go three best. I go three worst. You go three worst. Okay. 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 All right. So my. And this is taking it like this isn't necessarily like the biggest money player who didn't play that badly. It's just sort of situationally, how how bad were they for the club they played for? So, obviously for me, I think this is a no brainer. I think we'll we'll have this too. 
best signing of the season is Ruben Diaz, hands down. Yeah, I, I can't confirm that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like City paid big for him, seventy million pounds. But from the moment he came in, he's been a rock. That the City's had the best defensive record in the in the league. He also made almost single handedly resurrected John Stones' career, which is a feat in itself. <laughs> Being three years younger than him too. Yeah, uh, which is incredible. Um, and yeah, he's twenty three to have that level of maturity and that defending ability. Like he, he he had the same impact that Van Dyke had, and he's five years younger than Van Dyke, which is yeah ridiculous. Coming he, straight into the Premier League. As yeah, well. he could be, and yeah, and not from like he came from a particularly strong league anyway. Like Portugal, not Portuguese league is not known as a overly you know strong league it's yeah. got three good teams yeah it's definitely not translatable to to the Premier League at all so yeah just unbelievable he could be possibly the best centre back in the Premier League for the next 10 years yeah. um, next I've got Emmy Martinez really stout bit of uh, business for Aston Villa they got him for 21 million pounds I think from, from Arsenal there was a lot of talk uh, with amongst Arsenal fans before the season who, who we were going to keep between Leno and Martinez. Obviously, ultimately, I always think we were going to keep Leno, but uh, at the time, it was a good business for both parties. Like, Martinez obviously kept well for us when Leno was injured, and so it was good. Uh, and so it was a good deal for Villa, but also 21 million for a goalkeeper is pretty good business. Uh, but yeah, he's come in, he's got the second most clean sheets, uh, tied with Mendy after Edison, and yeah, he's been just one of the reasons that Villa has is, is stayed in the top half of the table for so long. And thirdly, now this is where it was tricky. It could have been one of three, but in the end, I just for the way the the team he came into was before he came into it, and then how they have been since he came into it, Edouard Mendy for Chelsea was my third best. I think, yeah, he came into the team, even before Frank got sacked, he'd, he was making that team better. And since um, Thomas Tuchel's come in, he that defense has been rock solid, and he's at the base of that. Yeah. Uh, some honorable mentions for me, which you may you may have in your list. I had Thomas Sojak for West Ham. Has been integral in West Ham's uh, success. He was he was already on loan and played the whole of last season with them as well. But so it's not like immediate impact. But like yeah, just they got him permanently, and he's been as good, if not better, as he was last season. Uh, Edinson Cavani took a little bit of time to get going because he was injured at the start of the season, but he seems to have solved, you know, the issues um, with the leading leading man up front. And Ben Godfrey for Everton, I think you guys have signed your best defender for the next ten years. In that, I think that's really good business. He's young, he's really good, and he can play across the back four. Though ultimately, I think he will be at centre back. But yeah, yeah, you know, he he is a centre back, but he 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 filled the right back hole that we've had for basically the whole season really really well um yeah so basically um i've also got diaz and edward mendy in the top three i think mendy um coming in was, was just like such a great signing I, and, it, and it, i think i've spoken about it before but just the ruthlessness of, of chelsea to be like you know they spent that much money on kepper and just be like it's not working Get Mendy in, and he has been incredible for them. Like for half, for half the money, or less than less than half the money they spent on. Yeah, well, he was like tw- twenty million. Twenty eight, twenty eight million. Twenty eight. They kept kept for seven. Yeah, and like he's young too. He's like twenty eight. Like that's good age. He for can be. He's coming into the prime of his um, career for sure. So yeah, Edward Mendy, and then the <laughs> the other one that I've got is Jesse Lingard. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 honestly, he probably could have made my honorable mentions too. But yeah, that's a fair call. That's I just, call. I just think the way that he 
like burst into that West Ham team, push them. I don't know if they were already in the Champions League spots, but seriously, like buoyed them for that for this second half of the year. Um, and just a very smart signing from David Moyes. Obviously, you spent a bit of time with him at United, but it's also nice to see his career. Sort yeah. Of because it, 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 it had plateaued for a good three or four years um, yeah. yeah no no I, I, that's a good shout I think the only reason I didn't put him in was just just because I feel like it's just a, such a sh- small sample size yeah I, I was thinking that but I, I suppose but that, yeah. that, that was part of it as well just the impact but it is like, a good it's a good shout like I think yeah he's had that instant impact like it like yeah yeah um yeah 12 goal involvement in, in 13 if He's, good. he's really um, good. I've also got Godfrey, amazing signing. It was hard not to put him in the top three. So honorable mentions, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, this is honorable mentions. <laughs> um, the other ones are Ollie Watkins. Yeah, good shout, good shout. Aaron Ramsdale at Sheffield. Obviously, they haven't had a good season, but I think he is. He'll stay in the Premier League for sure. Yeah, he he has. Or, or if he does stay at Sheffield, he'll be back in the Premier League sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um. And then also Suchek as well as you, Sufal for West Ham as well. Yeah, I had a look at him. I just thought, I, I, I just was like, he's yeah. been good, but I just, I was just like, I was like, I, I don't know. You've got a longer list of honorable mentions. Yeah, I've just written down a massive <laughs> yeah. list because I'm still going. And yeah. <laughs> uh, Callum Wilson for Newcastle. He's been injured for a bit, but when he's played, um, he's been incredible. And he just had that game against, was it Leicester? Yeah. And he, yeah. He's really, he's really funny in post match interview. Did you see the post match interview? No. It's like it's classic Wilson, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> After scoring a hat trick, um, okay, but yeah, so that's that is the end of my honorable mention. No, no, that's no, good list. Um, I think I was just being a little bit more strict with my three and three, but that's yeah. like all of them deserve to be honorable mentions. Yeah. All right, moving into worst. Um, I've got no real rank for these in terms of best, second best. Uh, worst, second worst, third worst but we're just going to go straight off the bat Willian uh, Arsenal signed him on a free transfer admittedly but for a contract uh, upwards of £100,000 a week for a player that has played more than 30 games in the Premier League and I don't have his goals and assists stats in front of me because I didn't want to look them up because it would make me sad but he's just been terrible he's been have you got them? Yeah, one goal, five assists in 25 appearances. Terrible. He had, he's only scored his first goal for the club, like, last week. Um, just, it just, like, seemed to, like... He got a little bit better in the middle of the season when he scored those five assists, but, like, just seemed to be, like, just devoid of any sort of effort. Like, we watched clips where, like, a player would be running through the middle and all they needed was someone to make a run on the wing and he would just be jogging. And he would just seem to sap any energy out of all of our attacks... And he's just he was just terrible. Like and for that much money, I don't care that we was it was a free transfer. For that much money that we're paying him, he is just like just been like and and it could also be like a falling like a one of the falls of Arteta's reign is the fact that he was so insistent on playing him when there were other players, younger players, fresher players, hungrier players who could have played instead of him. It's just it's just so disappointing with William because obviously someone with so much Premier League experience, if you bring him to a team like Arsenal, who have got quite a few young players in, in four positions coming up. Sure, like, you, you want him to be that player who sets the example, and he just was not that at yeah. all. Yeah, 
on top of having bad statistics. Yeah, it just and as a winger too, like we 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 some, we, we often stress that stats aren't everything, but as a winger they are. Yeah. Like you've got to contribute goals and assists. Yeah. Uh, secondly, uh, speaking of goals and assists or lack thereof, I've got Fabio Silva for Wolves. Uh, they invested forty five million pounds in him in the in the summer window, and he had a total of. I've got his stats up on transfer market. He he started, I think it was three games. Um, play and a total of uh, no, sorry, didn't start three games. He had a total of twenty nine total appearances, starting maybe I think ten or twelve of those, and four goals and two assists. And I know at least two of those were penalties. So for I know he's young, he's nineteen, but like, so you, maybe he he'll grow into it. But like he just we, we've watched games, Wolves games this season, Wilbur, and. He just hasn't looked up to the quality, and you're spending forty five million players uh, pounds on a player like that, and that's your return. It's really bad business. Yeah, it, it was bad. Yeah, and like I, we talked about it a little bit off air, it's like people can say that you're you know young, but I mean I, I feel like even at that age, if if you're getting that bad a return, you just don't really have it. Yeah, yeah. and then lastly, another young player, um, a young striker. Uh, who was signed to Sheffield, Rian Brewster. And this was... I feel bad for him because this this was a panic buy by Sheffield. They hadn't invested in a player that was of note up front, which is a play, it was the area they needed to strengthen the most. On With like an hour to go on transfer deadline day, they forked out £23.5 million to Liverpool and everyone was like, Liverpool's absolutely fleeced him there. And I felt bad for him because like, I rooted for him. I was like, nah, prove him all wrong. You know, go out there, score your goals. But he... Started 12 games, had 25 total appearances, no goals, no assist, one yellow card. And it's just, that's just terrible. Like, and that, like, that is the worst return for a signing that you've spent upwards of 20 million pounds on, I've heard for in some time. Yeah. And yeah, on top of that, Sheffield, like, low, one of the lowest point tallies we've seen in a while, relegated with 10 games to go just just terrible and I, I, that would probably be my if I, I'm not sure about a ranking 1, 2, 3 but that's probably number 1 for the worst signing for me yeah I, I, I had him first in, in, yeah. as the worst signing um, for, for the season it was yeah it's, it's, it's a bit sad really because young player who who did admittedly well for Swansea in the championship last year but yeah exactly I just think maybe that's more of his level um that sort of championship level. Um, it's it's similar like T- Tammy Abraham did did, did well in the, in the championship, but he's Villa. not really he's not really a Premier League quality player. And to spend that much money, it's 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 a pretty bad signing. Um, I also had William, um, and then the other one I had was initially Tiago, and then I, and then I read it just an article while I was setting up the microphones, and then I changed my mind to Carlos Vinicius is the other one. Oh, the other Wolves striker. They they the panic buyer that they bought. No, no, oh, for, for Tottenham. Oh, for, for Tottenham. Tottenham, right, yeah. right. Because I, 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 th- I think I think he's been all right. He's he's played, he's had nine appearances and one goal, and like there was that period. How much did they spend on him? It's, it was a loan. A loan. It was yeah, a loan right. yeah. with option to buy, like a lot of um, transfers in this um, market. But yeah, I think there was that period where Tottenham really started going downhill after quite a good start when Harry Kane was out of the squad. And this is the guy that they had as backup. Obviously, it's very difficult to replace Harry Kane, but only getting one goal 
um, is, is a pretty poor effort. Um, admittedly, this is a pretty last minute <laughs> ring into my <laughs> into my bottom three, but yeah, I'll put him in there. Um, some honourable mentions that I that I have that we me and Wilbur have talked about a little bit off air that he may disagree with for me here. Um, firstly, I've got uh, both fullbacks for Tottenham. Regulon and Doherty. I don't think you would have disagreed with these ones, but like just like thirty million for Regulon, in some in the region of ten to fifteen for Doherty, both have been terrible. Uh, Regulon has decent delivery into the box going forward, but recently especially has had had glaring defensive issues, like really bad. Yeah, that one against um, who was it? Well, I, I, it's happened against multiple teams. Yeah, yeah. against Leeds though. Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, he, yeah, he's just been like beaten by defenders one on one. The thing against Leeds where he just like seems to just kick it towards the goal, like instead of just clearing the ball, it's just like really weird mental lapses. And the last one for me is uh, Donny Van der Beek. Um, Forty million pounds for a player who let me get his stats up live on air here, real quick. So. £40 million for a player who has essentially sat on United's bench for most of the season. In the Premier League, he has three starts and 17 total appearances. One goal and one assist, but you don't really take goals and assists into account for centre midfielders or attacking midfielders, which is where he's predominantly played. But just... He was bought as a player. At the, like, people was like, he's going to put pressure on Pogba, maybe even start a couple of games over Pogba because Pogba, everyone was sort of unsure about Pogba and he was just sort of be, going to be a really good rotational piece for United. And he has not had anywhere near the level of impact anyone thought he would. Clearly, he hasn't trained, trained well enough to be given that much of a go in games uh, in the Premier League. And then when he has played in games in the Premier League, he has not really shown enough quality that I've seen to really warrant 40 million pounds yeah I th- yeah <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't I don't think that it's you know he, he, he has hasn't been as good as, as people were expecting it to be I, I don't think it was ever going to be like a signing where he would be where he'd be starting every game every game this season I think it's it's more of a signing for the future and, and that's why I don't think it's it's, it's really in the bottom of the worst signings <laughs> this year. I just think it's very it's it's a lot harder. It's very hard to break into this United team at the moment. Because mm. because they've got that that solid defensive unit now of McTominay, Fred in the back four and they've got Pogba and Fernandez playing well further forward. He's not going to be a winger replacing um, Rashford or, or Greenwood and not playing up front. So I just think it's very hard. He is still very young. Um I don't think it's a bad signing. <laughs> That's fair. I, I just think that like, like, there was money. there was question marks money. about Pogba at the start of the season, and you spend forty million pounds on a player who was like integral in Ajax's league success and played a massive part in their Champions League run in twenty nineteen. And I just think that. For a player of that caliber, you spent like you said, like you said, it's a lot of money. You would expect. Maybe not to push Pogba out of the starting lineup, but you would expect more impact. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and but maybe I, he will be good down the line. Yeah, I agree, but I don't think it's a bad. I still don't think it's quite yet a bad signing. I guess time will tell. But because he hasn't, because <laughs> the thing is, he hasn't been given as much of a chance, and that's partly due to the resurgence of Pogba. 
Yeah. And less to do with him necessarily training poorly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is true. I, I, guess, I guess no one, like, a lot of people doubt whether or not Pogba would yeah. research like that. But I also do think that if Van der Beek was playing and training and it translated to the Premier League as well as he plays for Ajax, he definitely would have got more looks. It may, it also may well yeah. have been, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but he may, he may just not transition well to Premier League conditions. And maybe and maybe it'll take time. Maybe he'll be a a, a second year breakout. But yeah, for now that like it's not the worst bottom three, but it was like a it's towards the bottom for me. You can usually tell at the start though whether they're a good signing though. Yeah, in in favor of your argument, like yeah, like actually like, just click. This is this is the, this is like the very top 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 we're talking about here. But like for example, Eden Hazard. Yeah, he was bought in as like a twenty two year old from Lille. Day one, he was tearing it up. Like, and there's a different or, sort of player. Or Fernandez. Or like, Fernandez, yeah. yeah. It was brought in, and, and Fernandez was only like, was only like, I think like 15 more million than what they bought Van der Beek for, and just tore it up from yeah. day one. But like, I, I like Van der Beek. I, lo- I loved him at Ajax. I love watching him in their Champions League run, so I fully hope he does succeed. I don't really, I'm, 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 in, I'm here or there about United doing well, but <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see him do well. But yeah. Finally, uh, so that's yeah, that's our that's our best and worst of the transfers. Uh, if if any of you have, I think we've missed anyone, best or worst, um, for teams that you support that you think have been really good or really bad, obviously let us know. But finally, uh, moving on, gonna, we're going to wrap up with a little Europa League sort of preview, sort of recap. So obviously, Arsenal crashed out in. Um, Terrifically anticlimactic fashion. No, they're more whimpered out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Terrifically anticlimactic whimper. Uh, they, yeah, they just, yeah, they just absolutely faded out of existence uh, across two legs. And United commanding, even though they lost the second leg 3 2, won the whole thing 8 8 5. Um, I'm not going to say too much about Arsenal. I've already ranted to Wilbur a lot about Arsenal. We're a bit of a dead club at the moment. But. I don't. I do think that Villarreal, especially in the second leg, didn't f- inspire me with a whole lot of confidence against quite an average Arsenal side that wasn't really playing that well. So I think, yeah, this is. I, it's never a sure thing, but if I was a betting man, I would put a lot of money on United. Yeah, I just think when when they get it to full strength, obviously they didn't play full strength against against Leicester, um, but. W- like their best players right now are like are in red hot form. Cavani's killing it. Greenwood's killing it. They're going to be very hard to stop, and I don't think Villarreal showed too much against you guys. Yeah, and as as good as Unai Emery is in, in the Europa League, you know the Europa League specialist that he's he's he is. I like yeah. This United team is is like almost a title contending team. Probably will be next season. Yeah. So yeah, like, like that's. So I, 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 you never want to say wrapped up, but yeah, I would be very surprised if United didn't win that. So yeah, if I had to, I, we're, we're not going to touch on this until after the Europa League final. But yeah, if, I would probably say like three one. I reckon it'll be close because it's a final. But yeah, probably United will win three one pretty comfortably. Yeah, three one. I, I suppose the other big news surrounding United is um, Maguire being out. Mm, yeah, and I doubt he'll play given he'll want to try and be fit for the... Because it's going to be a race to be fit for the Euros for, the Euros for mm. Harry Maguire. Something that we'll touch on in a, in a few episodes time. Yes, we will. But yeah, uh, that is a worry. But I also, yeah, I think there's enough quality in Lindelof and Bailly to still get them over the line. And this is just like, even if they're a little bit weaker defensively, there's enough quality in their front four to like going forward that yeah. they'll be fine. 
And yeah, coming up to 45 minutes, that'll a slightly longer one today, but that'll wrap us up. We'll be back next week with some more uh, awards for best players and managers and everything next season, uh, next week. That should be a fun one as we round out the season. And yeah. Uh, as always, if you like what we hear, give us a little follow, give us a like, uh, hit us up on socials to tell us what you think. And yeah, any last words? Uh, we'll, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be always, always the good sign All right, see you, see you guys. Thank you.